given what I see and the trends that I see, it strikes me as, as a very high probability that inflation is going to become a real problem. And that the, you know, I know from historic and anyone, it's hard to debate, but if you look at it historically, when inflation is a real problem, gold and gold stocks are really two of your best investments by a large measure. Thanks for watching this RTD interview. Don't forget to pick up your RTD Scary George Round, only available at stbullion.com. Now enjoy this interview. Welcome to Rethinking the Dollar. Today I'm excited to have new guest, Mr. Lawrence Lepard. He's an investment manager at Equity Management Associates, LLC. And today he's joining us to share his thoughts on the global economy as well as his thoughts and predictions on where all this is heading. So Lawrence Lepard, welcome to Rethinking the Dollar. Thank you very much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, I appreciate you for taking time out of your day to sit down with us and share your perspectives on where we're currently at now, as well as some opinions about where all this could be going. But before we dive any further, for those that don't know Lawrence Lepard, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you've arrived at this point in your career? Sure. Absolutely. So I've spent my entire career as an investment manager. I've always been a fund manager. Um, I originally was actually more in the uh, venture capital and technology industry and, and space. I started there in the 19, early 1980s, about 1981. And I, so I was investing in computers, disk drives, software, graphics, you know, all the things that led to what we now have technology-wise. Um, probably the, the biggest area of success, I, I discovered the internet in 1993 and made a lot of investments in that. And so uh, that worked really well. And, and um, um, you know, it was, it was really exciting to be a part of all the technological developments that happened. It's interesting, though, the, the pattern that happened there. I see it happening in some other places. We'll talk about that later. But uh, the Internet started off as an unknown thing that was had a lot of promise, and it became um, you know, a very important thing and still is today a very important thing, but it also uh, generated a bubble uh, in the, you know, leading up to 2000. And um, in 2000, it was pretty funny. I had all my, you know, we'd done well. We'd made good investments and had earned a lot of money on those investments. But all my investors were coming to me and giving me more money. I said, oh, you got to do more Internet. you got to do more Internet. you got to do more Internet. And I, and I was looking at them and I said, you know, Honestly, folks, uh, it's getting a little expensive and it's getting a little frothy. I mean, pets.com had just gone public and there were, there were a lot of half-baked internet ideas. And so I actually went back to them and said, no, you know, you don't want me to do that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you some money here. Uh, we'll be selling internet investments now and looking for kind of the next area where there's going to be a lot of growth. So, so I actually exited the internet business in 2000, um, actually exited the entire venture capital business in 2003 or four and was kind of retiring in a sense that I was looking for other things to do. And I made some investments um, in India and China and those worked pretty well. And then along came the housing crisis and the, and the financial bubble, um, you know, which led to the, the, you know, the GFC, what everyone calls the global financial crisis in 2008. And that really triggered something in me when that happened and they bailed out the banks and they printed a ton of money. That was like a, an aha moment for me and a light bulb went off in my head and I said, Oh boy, if they're going to print all this money, this means inflation. And I know what inflation is. That was what was around when I first was a kid, you know, in the 70s. Inflation is really bad. It means the cost of everything goes up continually. It means gold does extremely well. It means oil does extremely well. And so, so I shifted and I started looking for investments in gold and gold mining stocks, believing that what happened post-2008 was going to lead to another uh, bubble and that that bubble, would, when it burst, would benefit gold. And so that's why I've made a big bet on gold and gold mining stocks. 
Um, I actually was, I started it in 2008 and I was actually right for about three years and late eight, early 09, um, all of 2010 and, and the first half of 2011, it, it was great. It was kind of 40% of year returns. Then we hit kind of what I would call a mid-cycle correction and, and gold just got obliterated from 2011 to 2015. It was very, uh, very difficult for me and very disappointing. I thought to myself, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I, I'm kind of stubborn. And so I said, no, I, you know what? I don't think I'm wrong because we really hadn't solved the debt problem. I said, I'm going to stick with it uh, under the assumption that it, it's eventually going to come around and it's going to work. And I think that's kind of what's happening now. There's, a, there's certain mathematical things in investing that I believe are kind of true. And one of them is that you can't grow the level of debt in excess of the rate of growth of the GDP without running into trouble. And if you look at a chart of, you know, the last 25 years of debt growth and you look at a chart of the last 25 years of GDP growth, you'll see a wide divergence between the two. And that mathematically tells you there's going to be a problem because the GDP is what's used to pay the interest on and to support the debt. And eventually, if the debt gets too big, you're going to have a debt crisis. And that's what happened in the 30s. And that's what happened, you know, um, well, it's happened many times in history. It happened in 71. And which led to the gold run up into 79. And so I'm pretty sure that we're now at the point where gold is going to be a very good investment and gold mining stocks are going to be an even better investment. And that's what my fund is dedicated to at this time. So All right, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, so one thing you, you hinted at towards the end of the explanation there is that, you know, the debt, the debt is right. come or it's currently starting to be a problem. So let's touch on that a little bit more. You know, we're uh, at 23 trillion and the debt ceiling was removed. And so therefore, there is an open window of creative opportunity for currency to be brought into existence. You know, will that be coming soon? We'll, we'll be getting QE, QT, negative rates. You know, what are your thoughts on the market? I, I believe I believe they have to. I don't think they really have any choice. Um, a friend of mine who was uh, used to work for Peter Lynch at Fidelity, is a name probably a lot of your listeners don't even know, but he was a great investor in the 80s and 90s, said, said, Larry, we can't ever go back to normal interest rates. There's so much debt. I mean, the only reason we've been able to even support the debt we have is because interest rates are so low. And so as a result of interest rates being low, and, 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 the, and the, see, the, the point is, I guess the problem is kind of baked into the system. And the, the government knows that they have to keep the interest rates low or else the whole thing will come crashing down on itself. And so I, I don't think you hinted at additional QE. I don't think there's any doubt they're going to have to do that. They're going to they're gonna have to continue to buy their own debt to keep interest rates low. And the issue is really what John Hussman brings up, and that is the issue is when do people lose confidence in what these guys are doing? I mean, the Fed and the United States in general, you know, have for a couple hundred years, it's been a pretty well-run place. You know, no one ever called the United States a banana republic. But, but having said that, you know, it's good. the trends are in the wrong direction. And even, even a well-run country can eventually take policies that don't serve its long-term best interests. And I think that's what we're doing. I think that, you know, the deficit we're running is very big and getting bigger. Um, every time you turn around, there's, there's talk of more obligations being made. Um, there, there are subtle forms of money printing, like, and I'm not saying I'm opposed to this because I think the bankers got a very good deal versus students. But, you know, there's the proposition to give away, you know, to, to you know, um, forgive all student debt. And, I mean, frankly, I understand why people want that. And, you know, I'm not going to comment on whether it's fair or not. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, bankers got... I always thought Elizabeth Warren had a very good point when she said, you know, bankers can borrow for half a percent and we make students pay 6%. That's unbelievably unfair, right? And so, so what's going on to me is 
you know, kind of this populist way, this saying, hey, you know, you, got, you guys all got your money and the rich became a lot richer. What about us? You know, we want you to forgive debt. We want, you know, Andrew Yang is getting a lot of traction with this universal basic income proposal. Um, you know, even President Trump recently said, you know, who I happen to not like a lot, but even he recently said, and I'll probably piss off some of your viewers, but he recently said that they're going to, you know, talk about get, giving, um, eliminating the payroll tax. Well, that's very nice. I mean, I would like to eliminate the payroll tax, but once again, who's going to pay for it? Who's going right. to pay for it? So, so, so that means more deficits then. I mean, the government's going yeah, to be able there. Exactly. And so, so there comes a tipping point. There's a great book by Charles Kindleberger called uh, Manias, Panics, and something else. You can Google it. And he has a really good chart, some good information there. Basically, says there's a point in time where when countries get to the point where their deficit's more than 20 or 30% of what their government is spending, people begin to lose faith in the whole system and the currency and everything else, and they go to gold. Because, you know, gold is money for 5,000 years, and it can't be printed, right? What about, what about silver? Well, silver, too. Yeah, silver okay. just – In fact, in fact arguably – I love silver, and I own a lot of silver. Arguably, silver is even cheaper on a relative basis. So they both work. But the point is – you know, Kittleberger found that this the range of companies getting into trouble was kind of 20 to 30% of their – well, we're over 30% now. So, you know, and, and I mean, and, and I don't see – I mean, look, there's a way out of this. There's a way out of it. It's to dial the government back, to live within our means, to, you know, to let interest rates rise to their natural level. I mean, there are lots of things that we could do to prevent what I think is going to be real unpleasantness economically. And I'm, I'm not wishing this on anybody. I mean, this isn't going to be fun for me or anybody else. I mean, this country has a debt crisis. It's going to be like 2008. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to get hurt. And that's very, very sad. But the point is, you know, I, I'm not here. I mean, my job as, a, as an investment manager for people who give me their money is to try and protect them and to help their money, you know, save, you know, preserve its value. And all I'm saying is that given what I see and the trends that I see, it strikes me as, as a very high probability that inflation is going to become a real problem and that the, you know, I know from historic and anyone, it's hard to debate, but if you look at it historically, when inflation is a real problem, gold and gold stocks are really two of your best investments by a large measure. I mean, just to give you an indication, so I, just to put it in real terms, my fund's up 66% this year, year to date. So, I mean, here we are, it's, you know, it's the end of August and I've had, I mean, nobody talks about that. The, you know, the Dow Jones is, you know, kind of flat for the year. The S&P is flat for the year. I find it, you know, humorous that I watch CNBC and everybody, they had, a, they had a show on CNBC the other day and it said, the market's going down. There's no place to hide. And I, and I was like, hello, you know, yeah, there is. Come on over here. There's, there are places to hide. Now, they don't have much interest in talking about it because, you know, Wall Street doesn't sell gold and Wall Street doesn't sell gold stock investments. Let me ask you a question now. So yeah. uh, outside of the things that's performing well, it has to do with sound money. It has to do with things that are actually tangible assets you can hold in your possession. Right, exactly, exactly. What are your thoughts on this? The, the, the yield curve inversion of 2 and a 10 a couple times the last couple of days, couple of hours, and then you have the zero coupon from Germany, then you got negative 17 trillion negative bonds. And now, aren't a lot of managers and funds supposed to be buying those things? Well, yeah, they're forced to buy them, but think about it just rationally. I mean, you know, would you buy a bond where the people said, hey, I'm going to give you back less than you give me? I mean, they're forced to because they have a mandate that says they've got to stay within the system. You know, I mean, there's, the system is what the system is. And that's why it has the negative bonds. The 210 inversion, yeah, that's a really important thing. What that tells you is that the economy is slowing down in a big way. And we're about to have a downturn. And 
you know, look, we're having a hard time serving, servicing all this debt and the economy is doing reasonably well. Can you imagine, you know, what, what's going to happen when the economy turns down? I mean, the last two times in 2000 and 2008, when we had stock market declines of 50% in each of those cases, the federal deficit went up by like, you know, 30 or 40%. We're running a deficit of a trillion dollars right now. And that's over, that's, it's over a third of our total expenditures, which Kindleberg says is a problem. What happens when, when that deficit gets larger and, um, you know, it, 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 I mean, the problem is just going to get bigger is I guess what I'm saying. There's, this debt thing is a really, really serious issue. And um, I don't see, I don't see how there's a way out without, you know, serious, serious inflation. And so, you know, to me, you know, I'm, I'm 62 years old. I've been doing this my whole life. To me, doing this, doing what I'm doing is a very logical thing to be doing. And like I say, I, I don't wish what's coming on any of us, but, I, but, I, but I, I'm trying to protect myself. I'm trying to protect my investors. Sorry, I'll get this. And, I'll, and, you know, I want, and so, you know, we all have our own choices. You have money, you have savings, you got to decide what to do with it. You know, yeah, stuff, in my opinion, is much better than paper or debt. And, you know, to a, to a certain extent, I mean, real estate will be a good investment. The biggest issue I have with the real estate thing is that real estate has, you know, real estate has property taxes associated with it. And if we have a big debt problem, big debt collapse, government's going to be very greedy. They're going to try and tax everything, including real estate. So, so I have, I, you know, I don't think real estate's a bad investment. I mean, probably in my mind right now, the worst investment anyone could hold would be a bond. I mean, I, I just don't, I, you know, if you own a bond that's paying you a couple percent interest, you know, you're not, you, yeah, and, and it pays off in 10 years, you're going to get some money back in 10 years. But I think in 10 years, the entire price level is going to be much higher. And that bond is not going to, it's not going to, you know, preserve your purchasing power. Whereas if I think if you bought silver coins today, if you bought gold coins today, or if you bought some gold or silver stocks or gold or silver mining stock ETF, you know, I, I'm quite confident that you'll, you know, you'll appreciate by at least 10% a year and, and perhaps a lot more. And, and you'll, you'll preserve, you know, the, the, the power of your savings if you've got savings. So mm -hmm. uh, let me ask you a question yeah, in regards to, uh, one, one subject matter I do love to, to cut touch on uh, is the whole pension situation. And so oh, yeah. for public pensions that are coming apart, we have a lot of uh, unions and whatnot that's doing some bad, some faulty things on their end as well. You know, how will all this pension stuff play out? Because they're the ones that are, you know, holding these government. I, I agree. So, so once again, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's you know, what's coming is just going to be so sad. I mean, you're already... I mean, first of all, I think what's happened in the pension system in the last 20 years has been sick. You have all these people who've spent their whole life working for a company, and then like Toys R Us, and then some leveraged buyout guy takes it and pays out a ton of dividends, lets the thing collapse, and their pension's worthless. I mean, it's just, it, it's horrible. And what, you know, I mean, in turn, you know, Social Security is very underfunded, and that's, in a sense, that's the national pension system. And, you know, to me, it's it's a great tragedy that that people have been promised a lot of things that just can't and won't be delivered. And you know, or or let me say it a different way, because perhaps they will be delivered, and and perhaps you will get your payments out of your pension or your payments out of Social Security. The question is, what will it buy? You know, I mean, if it, I mean, I look, this is not happy news, okay? But I see an environment where you know, gasoline could be twenty dollars a gallon. You know, or gasoline could be $50 a gallon. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, so you've got your 2000 a month pension, but guess what? If the entire price level has gone up a lot because we've had very, very high inflation, your pension's not going to do you that much good. You know, and I mean, 
Whereas it's been pretty constant, you know, that, I mean, uh, if you take an ounce of silver and map it against gasoline for a hundred years, it kind of has always bought the same amount of gasoline, an ounce of silver. So, you know, to me, which, what, what I think investors and savers need to do is they, to the degree that they are saving money for their future, for their retirement, for, you know, next generation, whatever it might be, they want to save in a currency that they think has a good possibility of retaining its value and its purchasing power because the price level can go up. I mean, when I was a kid, gas was 25 cents a gallon, you know, and, and silver was, you know, um, I don't know at the time, I mean, what was an ounce of silver? I think in early, early, early 60s, I saw that, you know, an ounce of silver was, was battling with a dollar. It got a little bit above, beyond, and that's when it decoded. Right. Yeah, that's about right. It was about a dollar. So an ounce of silver bought about five gallons of gas, right? And, at the, you know, four or five gallons of gas because gas was about a quarter. And guess what? An ounce of silver today is 20 bucks, you know, and gas is about three bucks. And now it buys seven. Well, whatever. I mean, I think the price of silver is going to go up. I think the price of gas is up too. But, but the point is, you know, there's some, there's some congruency there. Whereas, you know, the dollar, if you'd taken that dollar in 1971 and saved it, you know, it, it would only buy you a third of a gallon of gas today, you know, whereas it bought you five gallons way back when. So, or four. So, yeah, the, the issue is, the issue is, in my opinion, the issue is that companies and governments and politicians, everyone, they, they like to make promises that they think, you know, they want to tell people what they want to hear, and they want to tell them they're going to take care of them, they want to tell them they've got pensions in the future and everything else, and, um, and, and maybe they believe those things to be true, and, and I'm not saying they're dishonest, but, but boy, you know, history shows that it's, they've made more commitments that they can fulfill. You know, and that's, I think that's the point you brought up when you said, what about the pension crisis? I mean, I think there really is going to be a pension crisis in this country, unfortunately. And that's, that's another sad thing. But, you know, having said all this, there is a bright side to this because I think, I think this, you know, you're younger than I am and I can, I, I kind of look at this thing in, in large swaths of time. I think the system we live in right now, it's not, the, it's not the nice country I grew up in. It's a much meaner country and it's a much rougher system. And I, I, and yet I think there are a lot of great people in this country. And, and I think that when this thing goes down, i.e. when this next crisis occurs, it's going to lead to some really seriously needed reforms. And your generation, the next generation is going to fix it because there's a lot of stuff that's broken. You know, there's a lot of corruption. There's, there's just, I mean, it's, it's broken everywhere. And there's actually a book I would, I would recommend to your readers because it had a huge impact on me. And I think it really helps you to understand these cycles, these generation cycles, and how things are broken, how they'll get fixed. It's maybe for, it's called The Fourth Turning. It's written by Howe and Strauss. I, you know, honestly, uh, in terms of investment and, you know, kind of theory of, of what's going on in the world books, this is like in the top, you know, five books I've ever read. I mean, this is a really, it's a must-read book to understand what's going on because there's a lot of change right now in society. I mean, how do we end up with, you know, how do we end up with a bozo as president? Well, because the system's broken. You know, and yet a lot of people are angry. And I mean, I get it. I mean, he's probably a better bozo than she was. But, you know, it, <laughs> right. But, but that doesn't mean either one of them is who we really should have. Right. right. I mean, we ought to have somebody who really can represent the people. And right, my, my, here's the thing. Like, what, what's the chance? What's the likelihood? Because things have gone, gotten so bad and that's the way the system is designed. What's the chance of getting someone in there that is actually in the, operating in the best interest of the people? Because he go, he's, he's going to have to break a lot of promises, which is not going to make him popular. So, Well, no, 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 you're right. That's a great point. And here's how it's going to happen. The promises are going to get broken. He's not going to break. He's not going to get in there, or she, probably she, 
isn't going to get in there until after the thing collapses. Okay. In other words, we're going to have a collapse in my opinion. I mean, and this is sad. Okay. I'm not, and I'm not a gloom and doomer. I'm just looking at it. Read the book and you'll see what I'm talking about. We're going to have a very serious collapse. And the way I think it's going to happen, is I think we're going to have hyperinflation. You know, if you watch what happened in Venezuela, if you watch what happened in Zimbabwe, if you watch what happened in Weimar, Germany, I think the currency is actually going to become worthless. Okay. I think sometime, I think sometime in the next five to 10 years, the currency is going to be worthless. And at that point, there are going to be a lot of really angry people. Okay. And any politician who's in there, they're gone. I mean, they're just completely and totally gone, right? Everyone, and the pensions aren't going to be there. Nothing's going to be there, okay? We're all going to be just kind of, you know, trying to, trying to find our way around and work our way out of the mess and start over again. And somebody's going to stand up. Somebody who's honest and decent is going to stand up and say, you know, this happened because we made too many commitments and we printed too much money and the system was broken. I propose that we put in term limits, that we go to a gold standard, that we, you know, um, have, you know, uh, complete democracy, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, the, I mean, there's going to be reforms. They're going to be very, very serious reforms that are going to get proposed. And, you know, the damaged and angry people are going to look at that and go, yeah, that's right. This, this is why we went wrong. And this is what we need to do to make it right. And we're going to make it right. And then it's going to be a whole lot better for the next 50 years. You know, the next cycle will be incredibly good because there's so many good things out there. I mean, you know, it's, it's odd to me that if you look at the technology that we have and how much, how much more efficient everything is today than, than it was when I was a kid, you know, I mean, think of what you can do. Think of what you think of the information you can get off the internet. Think of the communications capability. I mean, hell, I used to have to save money to call my parents long distance from college because it costs like a dollar a minute. And I could have a 10-minute phone conversation. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Now you can talk to anybody in the world instantly and you get a video, right? Yeah. I mean, things are, I mean, there's been so many fabulous developments. And, and, they'll, and they'll still be there. That's the other thing. When you have a currency collapse, this doesn't need to be, you know, this doesn't need to be World War, you know, the last fourth turning was World War II. This doesn't need to be, you know, we kill 6 million people. I mean, this can, you know, everything's still there. It's just that all of a sudden the people who had a lot of money, you know, and some of whom were very corrupt, by the way, you know, their money isn't, isn't worth much anymore. Everybody who is honest and knows how to work hard, there's still, there's still going to be a need for people who are honest and know how to work hard. Everything's going to reset and we're going to get to rebuild it. And we're going to get to rebuild it in an honest way. That's, that's what I hope for. That's what right. I, and, and that's, and I, I hope for something of that magnitude as well. But as you're saying, you're very optimistic about that. And I, I, you know, that's what we need because I hate the doom and gloom. You know, the world's coming to an end. No, it's not. It's just going to be different on the other side of all yeah, this. Exactly. But yet exactly. A, a part of your explanation and, and hope is that there's a collapse that's relatively mild in a sense that I interpret if there's a lot of angry people, I'm anticipating social unrest and violence. And I mean, all the things yeah. that we don't want to hear. But that, that's just in the U.S., but I believe it's going to be a global situation oh, where... Totally, totally agree. So, so it's going to be very nasty on the streets, and that doesn't sound good, even though you're, you're painting a, a much brighter picture. I, I, I agree with you, and, and perhaps I'm being a Pollyanna, and I'm being too much of an optimist. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of guns but I, in this country, but, you know, I look at the average American, and I think, you know, and I actually look at the average world citizen, and what do they want to do? You know, they just want to live in peace and raise their kids and you know, have three squares a day. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's not like we're a bunch of gangs of predators. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, I, I look at, you know, I mean, look, you don't see people walking around saying, let's go start a war. I mean, that's the kind of shit governments do. 
You know what I mean? I mean, the government, the government of the United States, you know, decided communism was a threat. And so, you know, Richard Nixon carpet bombed, you know, friggin' North Vietnam, Vietnam and killed a million civilians. I mean, that's murder. That's friggin' murder. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Governments do that, right? Now, what are your thoughts on this whole Iran dispute and sanctioning and threatening and, you know, and, and, keep, and, and telling other countries that if you help out their Iranian ship, we're going to, you know, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, see, I mean, I, I don't want to go way crazy on politics here because it gets a lot of people angry. But, but in general, I, you know, I think America has, you know, and I, and I love this country. Don't get me wrong. I love all the principles this country was founded on. But I do think that America has sometimes overstepped its boundaries and has acted like, has not acted as a responsible world citizen and has acted like an empire. And I don't know if the Iranians are good or bad, but I'm not willing to assume they're bad just because my government tells me so. Because honestly, my government has told me other things that have not been true, you know? And, and you know, I'm like Muhammad Ali. I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any quarrel with the Vietnamese. I mean, I don't have any quarrel with the Iranians. I mean, I, you know, look, if they're building a nuclear weapon, that's not good. And, you know, some people in our government think they are. I, I don't know if those people are right. You know, I'm, I'm willing to be proven right. right. I mean, I think, I think one of the things that should happen after this fourth turning is there should be all nuclear weapons. I mean, building a nuclear weapon should be like, you know, death penalty, right? I mean, weapons of mass destruction are just, there's no, there's no place in this world for those, right? right. We don't there's need no need. There's no need no whatsoever. Need for any government or any person to ever build a weapon of mass destruction, period, full stop. And so doing so is like a hanging crime, you know, yeah. and, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. so, you know, and, and, I, and I, I bet you if you made that statement to the world, you know, as all 6 billion people and said, vote yes or no, do you agree with that? I'll bet you 80% of the people would agree with that. I mean, I don't think a lot, a lot more would probably vote yes to, to, to demolish the whole concept of, you know, weapons that can destroy nations, given the fact we're all on the same planet. Exactly. And we all have the common interest of living life and things you listed. And it's the, the, the special interest, certain families and governments has been. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, the, the military industrial complex. I mean, look, there are people in this country and industries in this country that make a lot of money off of conflict and war. And so it's very much in their self-interest to say, oh, those Iranians are really bad people. we got to go get them. You know? And look, I don't know if they are or they aren't, but I do know that the guy who's selling you know, all the stuff to go fight with them, has, he's, not, he's, not, he's, got a, you know, he's got a conflict. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to take his word for it necessarily. Right? I mean, I, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, right? I mean, it's, and I hope, I hope it's as good as I say it is. I, you know, maybe I'm a hope, hopeless optimist, but... Um, I, I really do. I have, I guess I have faith in, I have faith in mankind in general. I really do. I, I don't think we're going to blow this place up. I think that, you know, that, that over time we, we have advanced as people and as a civilization. And I think that will continue. And that while this particular episode of stupidity, which is the, you know, corrupt empire printing money, you know, um, you know, doing some things that don't make any sense. Well, and by the way, when you talk about this, it all ties into the environment too, right? I mean, you know, my kids are all worried about the existential threat of, you know, if we if we trash the planet environmentally, you know, what's that going to do for us, right? I mean, so, but but again, there are people who are self-interested in that whole thing, right? So it's tough. I mean, it's it's really tough, but I, I guess I fundamentally, studying history, you know, 
the human race has continued to make progress, and I'm, I'm bullish on the human race. I, I think we'll figure it out, and, and in a good way. Which, but that doesn't mean there won't be some serious speed bumps here. Because I, and I think, you know, I, I look. I, I'm not. I'm not a seer, and I've been very wrong about this for a few years. Because I, I thought this was coming after 2008, and I, you know, from. I mean, it's what are we? Eight years later now. Nine years later. Yeah. Or ten years later. It's uh, eleven years later. So, um, but uh, you know, it, it feels to me like like you know we're it's catching up with us, and something's going to happen here. Right. Well, Lawrence Apart, it's been great having you join us here. Can you please uh, give us, leave us with some last minute thoughts and words and some of the problems have been discussed. Solutions, you mentioned gold, you mentioned some things that you're involved in. Give us a little bit of more. Yeah, I would just say, you know, read, read the fourth turning, you know, take care of the people around you, you know, um, um, be, you know, be optimistic. And in terms of investments, um, I, I sincerely believe that anybody who buys silver and gold and silver and gold mining stocks um, will have a better chance of preserving, you know, the, the savings that they have through what I think is certain to be a, a pretty rough economic patch here in the next five years. So, and I, I've obviously, I've, I've made an, a very large commitment to that space myself based on my, you know, background and study and knowledge and and, you know, I could certainly be wrong, but if it feels right to people, you know, I think to have, to have zero allocation to this space, and I know a lot of people who do have zero allocation, like, oh, you're a gold bug, I'm not going to do that. You know, think for yourself. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. It does make sense. So yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that helps people. Oh, it definitely does. I appreciate you for sharing that. So once again, it's been great to have you on the show. Once apart, I look forward to continue to follow your work. And Anytime. Continue. Anytime. Look forward to talking to you. Really appreciate the platform.